Two guys. Two topics. Two, two, two. two opinions. You talk. Give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And the Zone Sports Network. This week is polishing up the offensive install. It's done. You know, the install is pretty much over with, at least for the opening game. And so, got to continue to eliminate more mistakes. Uh, you know, all the details of everything we're doing, the exact splits, footwork, all that stuff offensively. Um, continuing to find that we got four O-linemen now that we feel really good about. You know, Braden Daniels being the fourth. So, you know, Ford, Apollo, uh, Yamana, and Daniels. Now we're just looking for one more. And, uh, it was great to have Bam out there today. Bam looks re- really talented, uh, out of shape, but really talented. Uh, just exceptional size and strength. So that's uh, a, a big positive for us. I thought uh, Coach Witt hit on a bunch of interesting stuff today after practice, PK. You were there. You were asking him questions. Um, and he, In my radio voice, my announcer voice. In your announcer voice, which he teased you for. Um, but I, I thought a bunch of interesting stuff. Uh, one, he's going to try and get the kicking race down to two. It's at three, and nobody's separating themselves, so he might just have to use his gut. No one's going to separate in practice because no matter what you do in practice, it's not a game. It's not live. They the chose the Matt Gay is a prolific kicker in the NFL. Already, he's a prolific kicker in the NFL, and they didn't choose him at the start two years ago. Right, they chose another young fellow out of Bingham who decided to move on with his life. So it only matters what you do with fifty thousand folks in the stands and all the pressure. I don't care how many you knock through at Rice Eccles or the McCarthy practice fields. Doesn't matter. Got to have that game pressure. I mean, you got to do that too, but that doesn't mean. So he's, no matter who he picks, it's an open competition until somebody makes seven out of eight in the season. And that's a big blow. But they were never going to replace Matt Gay anyway. No. If you're replacing Matt Gay, well, then I'm taking you out to Wendover, man. (laughs) Because. You just don't replace kids like him. No, he's banging down 55-yarders for the Bucks. All right, he's already prolific in the NFL. <laughs> he was a big deal this weekend. Yeah, I know. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so let me ask you this question because you've been covering the Utes for years. You're up there, you're, you're talking to these guys, you've covered a bunch of camps, and every single year we hear how good the wide receivers are and how this is the year that that group is finally going to break through and we're yeah. hearing that once again in the scrimmage we heard about uh, Jalen Dixon and being a deep threat and today he's talking about how they may travel nine guys and they're all equally awesome is this the year that we should finally buy into this well I don't think that we're going to buy into a big time receiver but can they have two or three guys who are really good you know, you don't necessarily need a big time guy, but the thing about it, they're they're. It reminds me of when I was living in California, Arizona, and I used to watch BYU on ESPN because they were on a lot back then with Ty Detmer and those guys, and they wouldn't have a thousand yard rusher, but they'd have a a sufficient running game because their strength was the passing game, right? Right. So flip this, they're not going to have a prolific passing game, but make it like BYU's run game of old. Make it be good enough. When you need it, it's there, and it all sets your run game, and people can't just, in this case, yeah, it would be the run game. They can't just load up, so they have to acknowledge the threat and honor it. I think, especially this year, Zach Moss is a heck of a guy, 
I mean, he's a great talent. Love the kid. And hopefully he's healthy. I mean, I hear there's a cast on. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't report that. I wasn't there that week. So you were the one who caused the trouble, not me. I was there, yeah. yeah that so happened. I was down covering uh, Steve Starks getting promoted, and we'll have Steve Starks on later. So I wasn't there. But he's really good. And there, it just needs to be good enough, man. Because Especially this year, because I don't think they're looking to just be wide open West Coast. It's just not who Kyle is. And now he's got a defense that is potentially the best he's ever had in the Pac-12. So you don't expect them to really open it up that much. But they need to do enough. And they got a senior quarterback and a senior running back. And, you know, maybe Dixon's that guy. Dixon came on late. Last year, he's a smaller dude, but, you know, I, t- I talked to him today, did a little one-on-one with him today, and he's, he's confident and he believes he can do it. Ludwig's talking about him being an every-down receiver. So find a way to get, get production out of all these receivers. Washington State has their receivers coming back a combined 30 touchdown receptions mm. of all the kids coming mm-hmm. back. You're probably not going to get that. But if you got a bunch of guys doing a bunch of decent things, maybe that can be. But it's the same thing we've been saying for years. So if you have skepticism, I buy it. Yeah. Well, and it's look at the quarterbacks who've been throwing the receivers' passes over this period of time we're kind of talking about, too. So it might be a chicken-and-the-egg thing. And if Huntley is really taking a step forward and is having the, as good a camp as – at least I, all indications are to me that he's having such a great camp. That's got to help too, right? If he can actually stand in and sling it. Yeah, but what does he do against the real good teams? Right. You know, they, they had a nice stretch in October, but they played – they didn't play the best competition in October. They lit up Stanford pretty good. Stanford wasn't and bad. And Stanford was 7-5. and five. Yeah, yeah, fair And enough. Stanford at the time had lost four out of five. And Bryce Love didn't play and all that fun yeah. stuff. And they want to say they scored 40 points. The, the offense didn't score. I mean, Jalen Johnson had a 100-yard rece- interception. Yeah. And so, but it was good. The offense was good. And it's a shame because Tyler was coming into his own and then he didn't get an opportunity to finish it. Now, if he can be a little bit better than where he left off last year, then they got something. Right. And they can rely on Zach Moss, so it takes the pressure off those guys a ton like you were Big time. Uh, like I mean, he's really good. Yep. That's Conference has got a lot of great running backs. As long as the O-line does its job, Whit, uh, another interesting thing he said today, he feels like they have four guys, and now they're working on, uh, now they're working on the fifth. Because that, that's one thing. If, if that position group isn't playing at a, at a very high level, yeah. that could bring stuff down to earth I think they'll bit. be okay run blocking, but I'm a little concerned pass blocking. I mean, they gave up 32 sacks last year. Yeah, that's not good. And I don't know that the offensive line is going to be better than it was last year. Probably not likely, considering they're, yeah. they're replacing a bunch of guys. So, so I have some concern there, as do they. They've, they've openly talked about it, about the offensive line. I think they'll be able to run block. But there's going to be a game where they're they're going to need to go 80 yards against the clock and against the defense, and it's going to have to be via the big play, which most likely is the air. And can that offensive line provide Huntley enough protection to where Huntley doesn't revert back to who he has been right. and start taking off? What's your thoughts on this Bam Olasini guy uh, coming in? Coach Wood talked about him today that you know he's six eight, he's the size of a house, but he's out of shape. I'm assuming they'll they'll rectify that rather quickly. But is he is it is he in the game too late to make an impact at the beginning of the year? Uh, the beginning of the year being SC, no. 
beginning of the year, maybe BYU. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes, but then you got Northern Illinois and Idaho State or somebody in your third game. So who cares? Because he's one of those unicorn kind of guys, right? That you look at it on paper and you're like, man, that that should be awesome. But then. Yeah, you never know with the JC guys. Right. You know, they touted up Garrett Bowles, and he was all that. And he was awesome. And so he's a first-round draft choice. So if they got a kid like – if he's anything close to Garrett Bowles, then they got something. But, I mean, I haven't seen him play Division One ball, so I can only go by what they say. And I know they're all excited about Bowles being there. And he lit it up for sure as the NFL was very but much he interested wasn't, in him. he wasn't a late, late arrival to camp, I don't think, was he? No, he was so he had a full camp to to solidify himself yeah, as a starter. How much camp do you need? You're looking for him to be ready to go by SC. Not now. I mean, that's six weeks away. Right. If you can't get yourself ready to go by six weeks, then you suck. I've got more BYU in my mind than USC, but I get your point. Do they need him against BYU? If you're supposed to be a playoff contender, and John Wilner, the Hammers, got him ranked sixth in his preseason poll. You need some JC guy against BYU? Yeah, but you don't trust the Hammers evaluating uh, abilities. Phil Steele's got him eighth. Phil, so you combine the two. Help me with my math, Austin. That's an average ranking of seventh, is where, it not? Where, uh, you got sixth and eighth? Uh, between uh, six and eight, yeah. Yeah, so that's most of the time that's seven. So wait, you're wait, worried wait. about a JC lineman against BYU? Something's a little bit off here, fellas. Wait. Come on! Hey guys, the results of this will be determined at the end of the season. Just you know, I, know. I want to know where the hammer had Arizona State. Dead last? No, he had them seventh. There's two people who downgrade ASU at all times. One's the hammer, and one is Jake Scott. <laughs> and what's Jake's nickname? Uh, the nail. The nail. The nail. <laughs> I was going to say nothing because as good when as the ASU hammer. plays Utah, he rarely nails it. <laughs> Buzzing! That was well done. Oh, wow! I just made that up. Every year you go Utah, and they have a much better program than that program down there, but they lose most of the time. It's a head scratcher. I don't know what you're thinking. I didn't know what they were thinking uh, hiring Herm <laughs> Edwards, and he turned out to, to be doing fine. Seven and six. So let's I'm not the, always let's right. erect a statue for Herm Edwards. They went seven and six. Hey, I want to congratulate you <laughs> for not freaking do for not ticking him off this year. Well, I didn't realize he was so sensitive. He couldn't handle criticism. He was pretty sensitive, and you yeah. hit him with that question right out of the gate. Well, it's another coach. We've been doing this show. This is the third coach I've been interviewing down there for Pac-12 Media Day. And since 1987, every single coach has been fired. I love it that you just hit him with, (laughs) what makes you any different? Yeah. He didn't like that. Well, it's the truth. This year, he was our last interview. Yeah, by then, everyone's gassed. Oh, man. it was How many did we do down there this year? 35? Well, we just missed someone, which was my request. Yeah, we barely. that was the only guy we missed. Two years in a row. We've yet to do him. We've yet to talk and I, to And I don't someone. want to do him, now. I know, because that can get real awkward real fast. Yeah, and you thought that was a great hire. He of the 8-5 and five in Texas A&M. Not looking so good, no. Although 8-5 and five in Tucson's actually pretty good. It's a great day to have PK here in studio. What are you, Mr. Rogers? Because we're going <laughs> to we're gonna talk schedules, which is PK's favorite topic of conversation. I, don't, I haven't even looked at it, but I'm friggin figuring the Jazz have the toughest schedule in the history of the NBA. It's not even close. <laughs> Jazz schedule is out. And the perfect person to have on the air to talk about it, the guy 
that hates talking about schedules. But I'm sure we'll get through this uh, there, PK. Well, Locke does it. See, I don't ever do it because Locke is obsessed with this stuff. Locke is into so it. So if he says it's good enough, then it's good enough for me. Let, me. let me start a conversation by saying it seems like there's less peculiar circumstance in this schedule at first glance than there has been uh, the past couple of years. All those road games in November and December the last couple of years were certainly unique, and this schedule seems to be a little bit less that way, a little bit more balanced. Uh, they have, uh, through the first 14 games, they're, or excuse me, the first 12 games, they're six at home, six on the road. Whereas uh, last year, it was certainly uh, out of whack until about uh, halfway, three-quarters of the way through the year when so the, I, the home I, games I, finally caught up. Let's, I want to throw this at you. When we got to the end of the season, did they play 41 home and 41 away? They did. Yeah, they, that's what I, I thought that. They did. Yeah. That's why I said there's not those abnormalities, PK. You know, you're you're gonna uh, you're gonna have a lot fewer uh, opportunities for David Locke to say, "Well, the schedule is so hard." It seems like it's a little bit more balanced. Well, there's no excuses this year, man. I mean, they've got a great team. It's about winning a bunch of ball games. Now, I, I'm gonna throw this stat out because I know this one's gonna drive you nuts. Uh, they have back-to-backs. 11 times during the season, PK. But six of them are after the All-Star break? Yes, they're, they're yeah, back-loaded with back-to-backs. Oh, my gosh. What are they going to do? Uh, if they've got enough talent, they're going to win games. Um, they do have, uh, as far as national uh, national games go, they're going to be on t- uh, ESPN 10 times. They're going to be six times on TNT. Uh, and I believe, uh, is it, uh, I think it was, and I just lost it. I apologize. I'll, I'll find it officially. But it was something like 10 games on, on NBA TV. So more nationally televised games, PK, as uh, there's more interest well, in the Jazz. Yeah, and there's going to be way more than that. Is there going to be in the playoffs? Yeah, I think so. And they've got an opportunity to win in the postseason. Uh, some of those nationally televised games, by the way, moved up either half an hour or an hour as the NBA is trying to get the West games on a little bit earlier. I than think they that's have a in the great, past. great decision. I agree, but I sent some sarcasm. No, in your voice. no, there's zero. It, it, it's I okay. You know what? I I heard you and David talking about this, and DJ was worried about people getting to the the forum right. on time, which I, I agreed it's, with you. So they ridiculous. don't go to the forum anymore, but uh, <laughs> it's the Staples Center downtown. Oh, I'm about twenty years. <laughs> 20 years late on that one. Sports arena, you know, when they first moved from Minneapolis. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, uh, I remember you and DJ talking about this. Yeah, and he remembers. He thinks it's it's always crowded. You were – I asked him, well, I drove the freeways in L.A. Yeah, in 1988. They're crowded at all times. I mean, you need 20,000 people in the arena. It's jammed whether you have it at 2 o'clock in the afternoon or whether you have it at 10 o'clock at night. It's jammed, uh, particularly – Around that downtown area, there's three freeways that go through downtown, and they're all jammed unless you go at 2 in the morning. What are those freeways, Pico? They are the Santa Monica, the Harbor, and the Hollywood. Which one do you prefer? Well, if I'm coming from Pedro, it would be, of course, the Harbor Freeway. Uh, Gordon says the five's better. The 5 to the 603. Over to the 403. Yeah, well, he came from a ritzy area. There's a little bit of uh He actually likes PCH, too. There's a little bit of a financial difference between him and... And his background and my background. Ah, I just, I Austin and I, I don't are, know if you knew that. Austin and I are always curious uh, why people who identify themselves as Southern Californians have to give you directions to everywhere they go. Because it sounds cool. It does. I'm a big shot from a bum. I'm from the big city. You people got to 15 and the 215, and that's it. 
Whereas me, man, I'm not from here. I mean, I'm from L.A. Hey, man, that's wake. I worked for, you know, the big pain. I'm blah, 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 blah. Make yourself sound cool. Why else would it would be? Right? I know that area. Yeah. I'm Gordon Monson. It's not just him. Uh, oh. But you know what? It, I think it'll have a big impact here because 830 games are tough. They're, they're hard. They it, suck. It, they do suck. And, um, you know, I have a unique... Um, circumstance where people don't sympathy, uh, have sympathy for me, but I do think it's got to be hard to bring a family to a jazz game when it starts at 8.30 and you're not getting home till uh, 11 or 11.30. Unless it's the weekend. It, if, it, if it's Friday or Saturday, particularly Friday, I think it actually is better because it gives you an opportunity to go out and eat and get to, this, uh, to the arena after work. But the weeknights, they, they bite, man. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard. Uh, a few other things. Uh, not playing on Christmas. We knew about that. Uh, they're actually not playing on New Year's Day or New Year's Eve either. Not Party playing time. On, on Thanksgiving. Conley's house. Uh, they will be a part of the NBA slate of games on Martin Luther King Day. Uh, taking Home on the, against Indiana. Against Indiana, yeah. So that's pretty cool. I looked it up. I came prepared. You're always prepared. Yeah, that's good. That's good to play. Martin Luther King Day, going back to my L.A. days, they always played an afternoon game at the Forum. And my wife's a school teacher, teaching at Washington Prep right there in South Central. And so I worked would work nights on Martin Luther King Day. And every year, uh, we had tickets for work, and we would go to see the Lakers every Martin Luther King Day, because they'd always play home. It'd be like a twelve thirty start. And it was a tradition, and that was a lot of fun. So if the Jazz, if they can establish that, that'd be great too. I remember one year they played uh, Washington. Gilbert Arenas hit the three and turned his back when the ball was in the air. I remember that. That was Martin Luther King. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally remember yeah. that. Middle of the day game, right? Yes. Yeah. Gilbert Arenas. No freeway between Washington Prep and the Forum, am I right? You just take the, the surface streets. Uh, it's up to you how you want to go. You can go across Florence and Normandy, which, of course, is where the outbreak of the riots started, if you so chose. My wife's school, Washington Prep, was where they had the artillery. Of course, they canceled school during that time. She went to Washington Prep. Funny little story. In the 80s, they used to do made-for-TV movies, and they did... A story called the George McKenna story. Austin, you can look it up. The George McKenna story. That was the principal at Washington, and he came in and he revolutionized the high school. No, we got time. Don't be worrying about time. Hey, Fanabla here, as Jim Valvano once said about time. And so they did this story, I mean, this movie, The George McKenna story, about how he, re- and he called it the preparatory, Washington preparatory, right? And so my wife, he hired my wife, and so she was teaching there. And the big movie of the week. He was this little balding dude. And guess who played George McKenna? D.W. Denzel. 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 Denzel himself. George McKenna looked about as much as Denzel Washington as Gordon does Brad Pitt. <laughs> By the way, uh, not not to distract from the story, did you did you see Austin's Who Would Play You in a movie of the Zone? Did you catch that a few weeks ago? I wouldn't be played in a movie. Austin even sent out a picture, and it was it was strange. It was it was a young version, yeah, yeah of yeah. the actor, right, right, right. Yeah. young version, a young version of me. No, well, I'm already no. young. No, 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 the actor who's now deceased, but it was a uh, it was a younger picture of Walter Matthau, Charlton he could, Heston. Walter Matthau could be your brother, Charlton Heston. <laughs> Big show, PK in for Gordon, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone.